Hello, welcome to Bush History. I'm David Bush. You are listening to my 11th podcast in my American History Review Series. This podcast, as well as the rest of my podcasts, are also available on YouTube under Bush History, B-U-S-C-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. You can get additional information at my website as well, www.bushhistory.net, B-U-S-C-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. Thank you. Hi, welcome back to Bush History. This segment of our timeline review will deal with the 1990s, primarily with the Clinton administration. Because the Clinton administration is fairly modern and fairly close to present time, uh, there's a certain amount of uh, romance and opinion is thrown around. Bill Clinton is uh, liked by many, and sometimes that gets in the way of uh, being objective about his administration. Uh, he's also vilified by some, and sometimes that gets in the way of being objective about his administration. Nevertheless, let's see if we can take a look at the 1990s and the Clinton administration. I'm going to start in 1993. Bill Clinton becomes President of the United States in January 1993 after he defeats George H. Bush, George H. Bush being a one-term president. So he's unseated the Republican president. We have a change in thinking in the United States. We had the eight years of Ronald Reagan. We have the four years of George Bush. And now we're going to have Bill Clinton. One of the first things he does, he decides he wants to reform health care. He likes some kind of national health care system. And he takes probably uh, one of the brightest people he knows, his wife, Hillary. He takes Hillary Clinton and he gives her the job of putting together a national health care plan or a national health care idea. It was probably a bit polarizing. She's very intelligent, uh, very fine speaker, but there was a sense that this wasn't the job for the first lady, that she was not elected, and she got the job because she was his wife, and some people thought she might be a little aggressive, and she certainly um, divided the nation. There were people who uh, liked Hillary Clinton a lot, and people that thought she was way overstepping her position in government. Anyway, <clears throat> she was given the job of reforming health care. During the same year, on the same lines, he signs the Family Medical Leave Act. The Family Medical Leave Act is a, is a take on a previous idea that if you have a job and you have a personal family emergency, that you should be able to take time off to deal with that family emergency. And mostly we're talking uh, medical reasons, whether it be for uh, your parents or whether it be for your children. Either case, he signs the Family Medical Leave Act. And what it does is it guarantees you that you will keep your job for three months. So you can take up to three months and still return to your job after dealing with family matters. There's more details to it than that, but suffice it to say, it's one less thing to worry about when you're dealing with a family matter. 1993 is a very big year, so I'm just going to go down the list. <clears throat> he nominates Ruth Bader Ginsburg to be the second woman on the Supreme Court of the United States, and her nomination will be successful. Uh, Somalia. Somalia is a leftover foreign policy disaster from the George H. Bush administration. Uh, there's a civil war that's been going on in Somalia for a number of years, and it hasn't gone well. This is the whole Mogadishu, Black Hawk Down incident, and uh, Bill Clinton decides it's time to get out of Dodge and we withdraw from Somalia, basically leaving a country in anarchy. We didn't cause it, and we didn't fix it. Moving down a little further, he gets the NAFTA agreement through Congress, North American Free Trade Agreement, and basically what it does is it takes down tariffs between the United States, 
Canada and Mexico, and it's supposed to allow for much freer trade. The idea is it should open up more markets to American businessmen. One of the unfortunate things that does happen with NAFTA is it sends a lot of jobs to Mexico. It sends a lot of jobs to Mexico where wages are lower and manufacturing costs are lower. So a lot of uh, manufacturing and factory jobs head south. During the same year, we have the first World Trade Center bombing. And in this case, a truck is driven into the parking garage below the World Trade Center and exploded. And the idea was maybe it would bring down the, the Twin Towers. It didn't it cause substantial damage in the parking garage alone, but it did not bring down the Twin Towers. Unfortunately, it's kind of foreboding for events to occur. Clinton nominates Janet Reno to be the first female attorney general. She also passes muster and she will become the first female uh, attorney general. He signs the Don't Ask, Don't Tell law. The Don't Ask, Don't Tell law is basically if you're in the military and you're gay, you cannot be outed because you're gay. However, you have to maintain a quiet lifestyle, not flaunt yourself, and not tell anyone about it. Also, your superiors cannot ask you about it. Hence, don't ask, don't tell. Looking back at it in modern times is kind of an archaic idea. But during these early days of the Clinton administration, some people looked at it as a step forward. It certainly was controversial because he had run on the idea uh, one of his uh, campaign ideas had been to rid this problem in the military of uh, homosexuality and persecution for being a homosexual in the military. He didn't think it, it should be an issue whatsoever. He signed the Omnibus Reconciliation Act. Part of that was a 39.6 tax rate, which was a, an increase from the George H. Bush administration, although not the high watermark of the Reagan administration, still lower than Reagan taxes. And it include a variety of spending cuts and tax increases in a way to try to rein in the federal government and increase revenue for the federal government. And as time will tell, it ended up doing just that. And we actually end up at the end of the uh, Clinton administration with a budget surplus. Moving along to 1994. 1994, in a move that some consider very controversial, Bill Clinton lifts the embargo on Vietnam. Post-war Vietnam had been to isolate them in the way we had isolated Cuba. Well, now we're talking 20 years later, and the Clinton administration lifts the embargo, and Vietnam becomes a somewhat loose ally and a trading partner of the United States. He also renews China's most favored nation status. It had started during the Reagan administration, had been renewed by George Bush, and renewed again, and will continue to be renewed. Most favored nation status simply means that there will be no tariff barriers between nations when they trade. It allows for favorable trade conditions and keeps costs down. The Rwandan genocide is going on in 1994, and Clinton, on the heels of the failed Somalia policy, decides that he's not going to get involved in Rwanda. In, rel you know, in recent years, when Clinton has been asked about his presidency, he has said that he really regrets that idea, that he, he thought of he should have gotten involved in the ethnic cleansing in Rwanda. An interesting number. GDP, gross domestic product, per capita, per person, was $38,000 in 1994. That's the amount of output per person in the United States. By the time Bill Clinton leaves, that number will be 45000 A good indicator of the strong economy during the Clinton administration. Healthcare reform fails. 
Hillary Clinton's ideas fall flat on their face. Congress does not want to deal with it, and we will not hear about it again during the Clinton administration. It's very unfortunate, but uh, the health insurance lobby is too strong. The forces against health care reform are too strong, and it was an embarrassment in the early days. It's unfortunate, again, because health care reform was definitely necessary. Maybe if, if Hillary Clinton hadn't been connected to it, it would have worked a little better. In 1994, partly on the, uh, partly on the failure of health care and partly because of the Omnibus Reconciliation Act, the Republicans take control of the House and the Senate. It looks like they have better economic plans. They don't, but nevertheless, they're going to take control of the House and the Senate, and Clinton is going to have to deal with that. And he will. He will. He's going to find a way to adjust his policies a little bit and move more towards the center. Start one, strategic arms reduction treaty that was being negotiated during the George Bush administration will be ratified and it is a build down or a decrease in the amount of nuclear weapons that occur in the world. The deficit starts to shrink as we head towards 1995. Employment is up largely due to the internet taking off. The internet becomes uh, much more user-friendly and many more home users in the mid-1990s. Prior to that, the internet, which had actually been around for quite a while, something called the ARPHA, the ARFANET, had been around for quite a while, and it had a military application, a technical application. Now it's actually going to be used for civilian application. We're going to get something called the dot-com bubble, or the dot-com revolution. Dot-com is commercial. A lot of businesses developing on the internet, and with that, there'll be a lot of jobs, and the deficit will start to shrink because as jobs expand, we have more taxpayers. More taxpayers are paying more taxes, which will go to offsetting the federal government expenditures and the deficit will start to shrink. In 1995, we unfortunately had the Oklahoma City bombing with Timothy McVeigh, and it's an example of domestic terrorism that wakes Americans up that the bad guys aren't just across the ocean someplace, that we actually have bad guys in the United States. NATO gets involved in Serbia. There are NATO airstrikes in Serbia because of the ethnic cleansing that's going on in Serbia with the breakdown of Yugoslavia into the republics that made up Yugoslavia. Serbia is a pretty ugly place in the 1990s, and Bill Clinton is walking cautiously. But nevertheless, as part of NATO, we do get involved in these airstrikes. A huge disagreement, a huge disagreement over budget expenditures leads to a government shutdown in 1995, and the government actually shuts down. There are chains across doors. Now, we're not talking about the entire federal branch. We're talking about discretionary items, national parks, curtailing some hours as Social Security offices and the like. But nevertheless, it's not a very good scene when it plays out in the press, and people are inconvenienced by it. And Clinton, being a very skilled speaker, basically blames us on Newt Gingrich and the Republicans in Congress. And it works. It works. So even though the Republicans have taken the Senate and the House, Clinton is now able to turn around and play this, that, yeah, they took the Senate and the House, and look what happened. So we have a little back and forth here occurring between Clinton and the Republicans, and they're going to find a middle ground, and they're eventually going to be able to uh, work together, and Clinton is going to be able to steward the economy with a Republican House and Senate. So it's a, it's a very interesting series of events that occurs here. In 1996, Clinton announced that big government is over. Big government is over, and 
that we're going to pare down the government. Of course, it doesn't happen. It's more of a, of a speech and more of a point to make. And trying to move a little more towards the center, he nominates Madeleine Albright to be the first secretary of first female secretary of state, and she sails right through, and she will be a secretary of state. And now he also announces that we are going to have a troop contingent in Bosnia as peacekeepers, building on the heels of NATO in Serbia. He wants to take American troops and make them part of his international peacekeeping force in Bosnia. So we will be in Bosnia for a while to come. As we head into uh, 1997, some foreign stuff going on that's kind of paralleling the events during the Clinton administration. Hong Kong is going to be returned to China. There's a fear that if you return Hong Kong to China, China is going to dominate Hong Kong. It had been part of a Part of Britain, people in Hong Kong were British citizens, they speak English, they do not speak Chinese to any degree, and there was a fear of what was going to happen when you return Hong Kong to China. Well, as it turned out, nothing happened. China has been very good about this, and it's almost like there's two Chinas. There's mainland China, and there's Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a bastion of capitalism and civil liberties in a part of the world that's not necessarily known for those things all the time. We're going to get START 2 and 3 in 1997. They do what START 1 did. They are both attempts at building down nuclear weapons. START 2 is actually ratified. START 3 is being negotiated in 1997. And it's the reverse Cold War. Let's see, can we get rid of these weapons now? And it's probably a great idea. During the same year, it must have been carrying the same thing, we get the International Chemical Weapons Conference. And at that convention, Nations of the world get together, mostly UN nations get together and decide that chemical weapons are simply a bad idea. And who's going to disagree with that? And they decide that using chemical weapons is a war crimes. And that nations should not build them, they should not transport them, and they should not use them. So again, things are calming down a little bit. And if you put this on the heels of the economy that's doing wonderfully during the 1990s, it's really not that bad of a time to be an American. Anyway. In 1997, he announces a deal with Congress that he wants a balanced budget by the year 2000. Balanced budget meaning revenues and expenditures are the same. Now, when you get revenues that are less than expenditures, when you fall below, that's a deficit. When you get revenues that exceed expenditures, that's a surplus. Well, strangely enough, this is going to work so well that we're going to end up with a surplus for the last four years of the Clinton administration, for 98, 99, 2000, 2001, we actually end up with a budget surplus. And the federal government having extra money is news any day of the week. Anyway, so we announced he wants to do this by 2000. He achieves it much earlier. In 1998, as a, another sign of international cooperation, we're going to participate in the launch of the International Space Station. It's a multinational campaign to put the space, space station in orbit for scientific reasons and scientific experiments. And many countries participate in this even today as orbits the Earth, and we have astronauts on the space station today. Uh, unfortunately, 1998 is also the year of Monica Lewinsky. Bill Clinton's uh, indiscretions have been rumored for a while. There was Jennifer Flowers when he was governor of Arkansas. There was Paula Jones. And Paula Jones had been suing the president for abusing his power and sexual harassment when he was governor of Arkansas. So while he's under investigation for that, Monica Lewinsky steps forward and says, Oh, I love Bill Clinton. I had an affair with Bill Clinton. Well, the reason why this has credibility and this has some teeth 
is Monica Lewinsky, a 21-year-old White House intern, had phoned her friend Linda Tripp. And Linda Tripp wasn't home. But she left a message on Linda Tripp's answering machine explaining this uh, affair she was having with President Clinton and the fact that she actually had sex with him in the Oval Office. Well, it gets better because not only do we have the tape, she saved a dress that contained Bill Clinton's semen, the famed blue dress. So now we have uh, Jennifer Flowers, we have Paula Jones, and we have Monica Lewinsky. There's an investigation going on that doesn't even include Monica Lewinsky, that includes Paula Jones. And Ken Starr is going to be appointed as a special investigator to investigate all of these allegations about President Clinton. And it's going to end up in the impeachment scandal as we know it. So when the smoke this fire and Bill Clinton's running around, he's denying it, and Hillary Clinton is doing her best straight face on this, and the public is wondering, and in France, one of the politicians says, I don't understand what this is all about. In France, we build castles for our mistresses. And they think it's kind of silly, as do the Italians. The British are being British about it and saying, this is terrible, this is immoral. And everyone's chiming in on this. And what's funny about this is his popularity is rising, not falling. Sure, there are people in the United States who say this is horrible. And this man has terrible morals. What kind, of, what kind of role model is he? And those things are probably all true, too. But people think with their wallets. And their wallets are doing pretty well at this time. So, in December of 1998, the House of Representatives is going to file articles of impeachment against, uh, against Bill Clinton. And those articles of impeachment will indeed pass. And Bill Clinton is impeached. He's impeached because he lied to a grand jury. He lied to a grand jury by videotape testimony about his relationships. And Ken Starr catches him. He actually went on TV during this and he gave the famous, I did not have sexual relations with that woman comment. And of course that required a lot of parents, myself included, to explain this to my small children. Nevertheless, nevertheless, he did lie, it did happen, and he is going to be impeached. Now, please understand, people make this mistake all the time. A lot of presidents have had articles of impeachment filed against them. It is a political move. That doesn't mean those articles pass. They've passed twice in American history. Andrew Johnson during the Reconstruction period because of arguments with Congress, and Bill Clinton in 1998. Also due to arguments with Congress. There's a huge debate that while this is wrong and no one's going to condone it, does it really affect his ability to govern in the United States? And it, we're kind of evenly divided as a nation over this. So the moral indignation is high, and then other people saying this is a family matter between him and his wife and his jealousy, that's also high. And nevertheless, he is impeached as a result of this. In 1999, Bill Clinton gives a State of the Union address, and it's it's a strange State of the Union address because here's a president who's been impeached given this State of the Union address, but he will be acquitted in 1999. He will be acquitted in the Senate. You are impeached by the House of Representatives. You are tried in the Senate. The Senate is governed for the trial by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. In this case, it was William Rehnquist. Either case, Bill Clinton was substantially acquitted. It wasn't by one vote, which was the case with Andrew Johnson. But Bill Clinton is a little more subdued as a result of this, and uh, Hillary Clinton is standing by him the entire time, and some people think uh, that this is the wrong thing, that she should have left him. Um, in retrospect, 
and this is now 2013 that I'm making this video. It's interesting to look back at it and realize we had much bigger problems to come. Nevertheless, in 1999 we have the school massacre at Columbine in Colorado and it foreshadows events to occur as we have one after another after another and the debate about gun control heats up and that debate continues today. The Eurozone is announced where the nations of Europe sign on to a common currency. Interestingly enough, the Brits stay out of this. They want to keep their pound. Their pound is used in countries around the world and it might have been uh, massively destabilizing to turn around and change that currency throughout the world. But nevertheless, the rest of Europe goes to the Eurozone. The wealthier countries basically are helping out the poorer countries in Europe. And uh, again, it's being debated as to how successful that has been. In the early days, it was very successful. It propped up Ireland, it propped up Greece, it helped Italy a bit. But it was on the backs of France and it was on the backs of Germany. So the Eurozone still exists. The budget surplus is continuing. The budget surplus is going to continue through 2001. In a poignant moment in 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr. dies in a plane crash off of Martha's Vineyard. Uh, many people have called him the American Prince, going all the way back to the Kennedy funeral where he stepped out and saluted his father's casket as his father's casket passed him. And a lot of people thought that he might one day run for president and continue the legacy. Well, that died in Martha's Vineyard when he piloted his own plane and crashed into the water. There's a fear as we come towards the end of 1999 that the computer systems are going to crash. It's called Y2K. And the idea comes from computers have been functioning using just the last two years of every year, the last two digits, I'm sorry, of every year to date stamp things. And it was thought that when we hit 2000, computers might look at it as the year 1900 and 2001 might be 1901 and that would really screw things up. People feared that planes might fall from the skies. They feared crashes in the banking system. They feared utility companies would have problems. So for a while, the tech industry was very busy making sure that this didn't happen. And in 2000, nothing happened. So let's give it to the techies for this one. And maybe, maybe, maybe the fears were a little overblown. I don't know enough to say. In 2000, the largest economic expansion in American history is announced. It's been eight years of incredible expansion. And Bill Clinton's going to get credit for it because he was, he was captain of the ship when it happened. Uh, is it his fault? Hard to say. Hard to say. A couple of things that we do need to consider is by the time we hit 2000, the gross domestic product, domestic product per person is $45,000. So it's gone up from 38000 to 45000 so getting more output out of every American. Unemployment is at a historic low of 3.9%, which is an incredibly low number. As we talk right now, during this video, unemployment is about 7.8%, and that is still down from previous years, running almost a high of 10%. So that is an incredibly low number, and where Bill Clinton stands in this is kind of hard to figure out, because he does benefit from the Internet revolution, but his economic policies also... Uh, were in effect during the time period, the Omnibus Reconciliation Act, the taxes at 39%, and more money going into the federal coffers, and all of that putting together kind of made for a good economy in the 1990s, and a lot of people made a lot of money in the 1990s. In November of 2000, we have the Al Gore versus George Bush debacle, in which Florida can't seem to count its votes right. And 
the uh, deciding factor ended up being the Supreme Court in this particular election because um, at first on election eve, the network said that, oh, oh, Al Gore won Florida. And I'm driving home in the car and I hear this and they announced Al Gore is the next president of the United States. Within an hour, they said, whoops, we're wrong. It's too close to call. Then a little later, they said, well, George Bush won Florida. And then upon closer examination, that was also too close to call. So it took the better part of a month into early December before this was actually decided as both sides went back and forth about counting ballots in Florida to get Florida's electoral votes. And it brought a situation to light in which we saw that the, uh, the voting procedures in Florida were questionable at best and maybe corrupt at worst. And um, they went back and forth. The two sides went back and forth. And finally, we end up in the Supreme Court of the United States. And in a 5-4 decision, very controversial, and the Supreme Court said non-precedent setting, they told Florida to stop counting their votes. And Florida had to stop counting. And when Florida stopped counting, George Bush happened to be ahead. And when George Bush was ahead, the state awarded its electoral votes to George Bush, and George Bush becomes president of the United States. In retrospect, some months later, the ACLU and some various voter rights groups got together and finished counting the ballots in Florida, and they indeed found that Al Gore had won the state of Florida. So if the ballots had, been all, had all been counted, the outcome in the 2000 election would have been different. But to the credit of the American people, Bush becomes president in January of 1981. We have no revolution over this. We have no violence in the streets. And while it's a shadow over his presidency for sure, the nation accepts that he is the president of the United States. And pretty soon George Bush, I don't know if he's going to regret it, but he's going to have more in his hands than we can imagine when the events of 9-11 occur and the wars that follow it. So, in summarizing, the 1990s economically was a very good time for the United States, a golden age almost for the United States. And because of that, here we are in 2013, and hopefully this video goes forward for a number of years, people tend to look back at the Clinton administration and they wax philosophic and they, uh, you know, they, they get a little romantic about it and say, wow, what wonderful times. Now, the only thing that can be said factually is that with a tax rate of just under 40%, the economy flourished. And if we keep cutting taxes, there's this illness in the United States, cut taxes, cut taxes, cut taxes. It's like taking a bath. When the water's high, you can take a good bath. So you cut some of the water out, you can still take a good bath. You take some more water out, you can still get clean. Eventually, if you take too much water out of the tub, you get out of the tub dirty. If we keep, if we keep cutting taxes, or we keep taxes too low, the economy can't function. So we need an optimum level. And the optimum level probably is not where we are right now, which is almost at historic lows. If we're going to be the large nation that we are, and we're going to be involved in international affairs and domestic programs, we need a certain level of funding, which, mean, which means we need a certain level of taxation, which is the debate in the United States right now. How much government, and then how much tax to go along with that government. Anyway, this concludes this segment of Bush history with a look at the 1990s. Hope to see you again soon.